Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at Tech Advisor. I'm Henry Burrell, your host for this week, and I'm ably joined by Aniron Copeman and Lewis Painter. Can you hear me, Lewis? You look concerned. Touching your headphone there. <laughs> I can see your uh, your voice was coming through my headphones and being picked up by my mic on the waveform. So I was like, let me just crank that down uh, just wait. a touch. Okay, cool. Just checking. Well, we had some quiet secrets. Yeah, you wouldn't have noticed because we're so professional, but last week some minor audio issues. So I'm just checking. Um, how are you doing, Lewis? How are you doing, Aniron? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. We're, we're, we're approaching Black Friday a little bit more, a little bit faster than I thought we would be. Yes. Um, um, yes. There's a lot of sales, a lot of deals already. Yeah, so it's, I don't know what the actual early. week's going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, some good tech deals coming up. We do cover it on Tech Advisor uh, to make sure that you are spending your money correctly and not on a sham deal that isn't actually a good saving or indeed a good product. So we will be doing that and then we'll be having a large drink. Um, probably won't be a fast charge of the black <laughs> on the Black Friday week. We will see if we can fit one in. But for the for the time being, there is plenty of smartphone stuff to discuss. So this week uh, we will be talking about MediaTek's new chip, which our colleague Dom is covering on the ground in California. But because of time. Uh, he cannot be here, which is unfortunate, but we have uh, boned up on it and we will be discussing the new Dimensity 9200 in a second. Also, I have been playing around with Huawei's latest flagship phone, Ooh, the Mate 50 Pro. <laughs> Got a lot of things to say about it. They, Huawei will hope that it's not the usual things we say about Huawei phones, uh, but we'll get to that second. And then last of all, we also saw, saw Honor announce a, a foldable phone today, which it was confirmed uh, directly to TechAdvisor by Honor. Uh, that it will be coming to global markets. Um, so <laughs> at least outside of China, and we can hope for UK and Europe. And we will be discussing that phone and foldables in general in the third bit. But as usual, we will race through five interesting news stories from this week in and around phone stuff. The first one up, a... Uh, Budget kind of mid-range device has just been announced by Realme, which is the sub-brand of Oppo, as a lot of you will know. It's the Realme 10, which to me sounds as though it should be, you know, you know, iPhone 10, OnePlus 10, yeah. you know, it should be a, a flagship phone, but it's not. Smartphone names are incredibly confusing at the moment. <laughs> uh, but this has just come out. Uh, it's only in a, a couple of countries like Italy, I believe. So I'm not even sure if it's going to come to the UK. And being a Chinese Oppo phone, I don't think it'll be coming to the US either. But it's interesting in that uh, <laughs> it's basically like the cookie cutter of 2022's budget to mid-range phone. MediaTek G99, uh, which is kind of a Snapdragon 600 level chipset. 90 hertz yeah. OLED, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 5,000 milliamp hour battery, 50 megapixel camera, expandable storage to one terabyte. Mm. So it could be a good phone. We normally get Realme phones in, particularly if this one will be sold in the UK. We should be reviewing that one. But um, yeah, it's just a copy and paste vibe, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, might I add. <laughs> it also shows how much tech has tri trickled down. Uh, you know, four years ago, that would have been, uh, you know, a flagship level phone yeah. so uh keep an eye on that one realme 10 uh i will call on a Niren very briefly to discuss mm -hmm. our second thing because you wrote this story up today the usually reliable we wa beta info website which is a website which is amazingly just about whatsapp news that it gets from <laughs> the beta versions of the app but it's a big app sorry you as listeners it is a big app and uh sure. this update is an interesting one what is whatsapp probably going to be doing in the near future so it's going to let you send messages to yourself which is, <laughs> which is a very it. simple feature we've seen it on like even meta's own mess facebook messenger lets you do this for years um and like i use it on slack all the time for work stuff so it's just a simple thing like when you were going to compose a message to and you chat in whatsapp now you'll have the option to just send stuff to yourself do you do this? Not... I do use it on Slack, which is, if you hmm. don't know, listener, is the uh, uh, workplace chat system. I usually do it to make sure a link is going to load properly. That's normally what I do it yeah, for. But I suppose too. you could also use it for reminders if you were to text yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I didn't. I, but then why wouldn't you just use the reminders? I mean, I get yeah. it on desktop where you might not have notes or reminders or something like that. But like on your phone, you have those apps. So like, why wouldn't you just use those instead? Like, that's the I'm, thing I'm, I'm I don't still, I, I, I'm using an iPhone at the moment and I, I don't use reminders. I just make a calendar what? event. <laughs> what? So that I know. 
<laughs> oh my, I am speechless. For a long, I use for a long time, for I just used pen and paper, and then I dragged myself into the 21st century a couple of years ago, and I've just never, <laughs> I don't think I've ever opened the reminders app. Maybe I should use it. Wow. Yeah. You should mm. probably, yeah. It's quite Maybe good. I just text myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do use WhatsApp, so hopefully um, that rolls out soon, but these things can often be quite preemptive. Uh, mm. The beta tends to, you can't even join it at the moment, I believe it's full, and they tend to, um, you know, test things. Uh, funny that testing new features on a uh, social media platform who'd have thought that'd be a good idea this week um we're not going to talk about the other one um, <laughs> what a concept yeah <laughs> we talked about that last week we're not talking about the bird app um and the other thing yep. that you reported as well Naren, was that uh, i thought this one was a bit niche um <clears throat> it will also be a feature where if you're added to a group of 256 people or more it will auto mute it for you yeah so that's what they consider to be a large group i would have set the the, the cut off at maybe 50 or something once once you get like a five my, five, most, active, yeah, you... my most active whatsapp groups are about seven and I'm, i meet those so yeah <laughs> i just do anything you like three people generally just meet everyone we'll all be happier yeah. we just... i am that person who replies like months later yeah to like and uh, saying an lol idea. or we're crying laughing yeah. face just thumbs up <laughs> uh thank you and i will keep an eye out for that whatsapp doesn't tend to get many uh new features very often uh but what with uh, meta laying off eleven thousand employees this month which is a rather shocking uh Who's left to work on WhatsApp? We don't know. Um, third up, Bloomberg reporting, uh, and is usually very accurate in its iPhone supply chain reporting. Um, now, this sounds like a lot, but I'll, I'll give you some context. Apple has apparently um, decided to adjust its or next order for 90 million iPhone 14 models down to 87 million iPhone 14 They're models, in trouble. which is yeah, an awful lot of iPhones, <laughs> but it is newsworthy at Bloomberg that they are cutting it by 3 million. And I guess, yes, as you say, the press, uh, not us, uh, but other outlets who should not be named, like to jump on uh, Apple, you know, being in, you know, supply chain woe or whatever. But this is very usual. It's just a company has forecast what he thinks is going to sell and now it's adjusting it um but when it's the iphone you know people like to to say you know apple might be in trouble and it was reported the other week that the iphone 14 plus uh the new model in the lineup uh is not selling as well so they've already cut production but this is just what <laughs> other companies do all the time um it's interesting though because yeah. i would have thought the bigger news would have been uh in the world of iphone that apple has admitted that its stock for the pro models is actually low and if yep. you want to get an iphone before christmas you should get one now. yes yes that's <laughs> that's correct isn't it the uh, the delivery times on most of those models is now a month away yeah so um it's uh Clearly, uh, too many people buying the Pro, and I believe this report was indeed, that I just mentioned, uh, only to do with the regular 14 and 14 Plus. So there's plenty of those okay. if you want one. Um, pretty good phone. Uh, did Speaking of iPhones, did you see this week, uh, and let me call up this page because I want to kind of try and give this uh, guy a shout out. It's on the Tech Aesthetics, uh, I believe it is called, is that right? Yes, uh, YouTube channel, who have built their own foldable iPhone. Um, Apple hasn't done it yet. So these, <laughs> uh, this team here, I'm reading a report here on GSM Arena, which brought my attention to it. They have taken the uh, internals of an iPhone 10 and the chassis of a Motorola Razr 2019 and created, created cool. what they've called the iPhone V, I suppose, as in the folding shape. And it uh, reportedly took a year of work reverse engineering and where is that they used <laughs> okay without reading guys uh the iphone 10 they've actually used a screen from the iphone 10 how many do you think they used uh before they had a usable one <laughs> how many do you think before they, they had a how many do you think they went through it this re this report here claims they went through several screens before they made it work yeah, I got. I got to imagine it's going to be more than several. Yes, 30, 37 apparently. Oh wow! Uh, and it kind of looks. It kind of look. Even though they've used a Motorola uh, chassis, it kind of ends up because uh, of the flat size, looking quite like a Z Flip Four. So uh, go and have a look. I mean, it's obviously very fragile, and Apple's might not look like this, but it is an iPhone. Uh, I think it's quite nice. That folds down. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fair play to them. Also, I did yeah, try I like and get it. an image up on screen, but my browser is just not working for some reason. So I apologise to the people watching. Uh, yeah. There. Okay, video. <laughs> Uh, watches we don't have an image for you uh, but everyone listening go and have a look at tech aesthetics on youtube and this uh, crazy little uh, thing they've done there it's quite admirable uh, and a bit of fun uh, and the last bit of news this week uh vivo uh is the company that just loves to make phones all the time um 
obviously owned by BBK, who also own Oppo and OnePlus. They are churning out phones like nobody's business, but an exciting one <laughs> is the uh, confusingly named Vivo X90 Pro Plus. In England, every time someone says Pro Plus, I just think of the tablet. tablet that is it, is it yeah. caffeine? Like students, students caffeine, used yeah. to take them when they had their oh, GCSEs yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I literally, I, I remember taking them when I was doing my GCSEs. Exactly, exactly. Last one specifically. So the uh, Vivo X90 <laughs> exam edition, uh, that has um, been, uh, it looks like an official render, but I think, it, I believe it is a leak not officially released by Vivo itself. Uh, the X80 Pro, which um, I, I, I've used and enjoy, but Dom, uh, our, our colleague, is also a, a big fan of, that only came out a number of months ago, a very recent phone. But the X90 looks to be coming this year with a one-inch um, camera sensor, reportedly, uh, which would match the Xiaomi 12S Ultra. It uh, wasn't one of the biggest sensors uh, on a phone. And Vivo's own uh, image signal processor, its ISP chip, which uh, hopefully will improve even more um, on, on their amazing uh, X80 Pro photography. Um, it's also uh, leaked in red leather, if that's your vibe. Uh, and if you go and have a little Google of that phone, <laughs> it has a faux red leather back, which um, is actually quite, if, if accurate, is quite like the, the Vivo's own foldable, uh, which is out in China. That's a lot of words. It's a new phone. It's coming out. And it's a perfect segue into our first topic because reportedly uh, Vivo will be using a MediaTek Dimensity 9200 chip. Ooh, Unconfirmed. Uh, but the new flagship uh, processor, well, I can't call it a processor, can I? A chipset, because it's got everything on it, including a processor, <laughs> is the MediaTek Dimensity 9200. Uh, our colleague Dom, as I said, um, has the story on techadvisor.com, but we will cover it in his absence, as he's literally at a MediaTek event right now, I believe. Um, so, a four nanometer process. The lower the number, the better the uh, um, chipset, basically. Yeah, um, essentially. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I will just call up uh, Dom's article now just to reel off a few specs, but we're not going to go too deep on the specs. It's basically an important chip because it's going to rival Qualcomm's expected announcement of the uh, Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, uh, another naming convention which drives me up the wall. <laughs> Uh, it's very confusing. And that's, and that's our improved naming convention as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was just random numbers, and now it's 8 Gen 1, 8 Plus Gen 1, and now 8 Gen 2. So it's a way for Qualcomm to do uh, two flagship chips a year, and then this Dimensity 9200 uh, will be the one to rival it. Uh, this is a very long uh, and detailed article on TechAdvisor uh, that Dom has here. <laughs> If this makes sense to you, it's powered by the latest generation of ARM V9 architecture, including ray tracing from the Immortalis G715 GPU. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure what that means, but along with next-gen features that it can support, not, not necessarily that phones will have these things, but 240 hertz uh, display, uh, refresh rates, and Wi-Fi 7. Um, there's a Wi-Fi 7? There will be. <laughs> so they say that they will support it. Um, but for now, let's reel it back in. That's a lot of specs. And if you want to go and read them, techadvisor.com is the place to do it. But uh, what is most interesting about the Dimensity 9200 is MediaTek is starting to talk about itself a lot more than it has done. So yeah. we cover Qualcomm Snapdragon a lot. And it's because really Qualcomm's got away with the best part of a decade of pretty much, if not in actuality, but in terms of like, sort of, you know, market share and mind share among, among journalists and consumers, pretty much having a monopoly on the Android smartphone um, oh, chipset yeah. market, mm. uh, particularly when it comes to flagships. Um, that's starting to change. And there are a few more uh, phones out there with MediaTek uh, chips in them this year. Um, but also, just as an aside, I um, must admit, I only learned the extent of MediaTek's reach recently. Um, it powers all uh, current Kindles, for example. Uh, it also has many chips in uh, speakers and uh, Samsung laptops and things like that. So it's a big company uh, from Taiwan, uh, but it's trying to break more into very, like the very high-end flagship space, which will uh, hopefully, it hopes, uh, get more of a coverage in tech press and, other, and more of a... Which then leads to it being put in more phones. So at the moment, yeah. as I just mentioned, uh, there are rumors that this chip that's just been announced is going to be in the Vivo X90 Pro Plus. But uh, given that phone may uh, be restricted to just the Chinese market, uh, 
MediaTek is moving to try and convince other manufacturers that it's the one. And one of the things that it's done with this chip is support millimeter wave 5G. Uh, now, again, won't get too into the weeds, but basically there are two <laughs> different kind of frequency bands for 5G. We don't really oh, use yes. millimeter wave that much, but the USA yep. does. Mm. So while Vivo might not sell its phones in the US and nor Oppo, who's rumored to be using a MediaTek chip in its Find X6 phone. That is a, that is a rumor that is out there. Uh, it could well be a Qualcomm one, but if MediaTek is in the conversation of providing the chipset for a major phone, at least for China and Europe like that, then it's doing, uh, it's doing, it's doing well. The difficulty yeah. will be, obviously, the, the reason we think is that they've included millimeter wave 5G support uh, on this chip is so it can say to manufacturers like Samsung, hey, we can do it too, you know. Why don't you work mm -hmm. with us? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. We can only uh, speculate at the moment. I thought it was interesting that um, the chipset is actually made by TSMC, Taiwan uh, Semiconductor, who also is a partner of Qualcomm's. So <laughs> if anything, TSMC mm, are, are the uh, monopoly here. I'm pretty sure, don't they have something to do with the Apple I believe they uh, do. They, they, they basically well, just, sure, you yeah. know, make all of them uh, <laughs> they're just like yeah we can do them all it's fine that is low-key one of the most influential uh, t tech companies out there to be honest but they just keep quiet mm. and make their money and then everyone squabbles <laughs> about which phone gets which so just so on paper sorry guys and then i'll let you chip in with the your chip thoughts um <laughs> it's also really hard to quantify even when i say these numbers about what this actually means but when you bring out a new chip it's kind of like uh diminishing returns in, in, in terms of like how much power oh, yeah. you're actually going to get out of it. Um, but MediaTek hasn't provided benchmarks yet officially, but it does say that the 9200 has a 12% increase in single core CPU performance. And then the one we normally look at is multi-core and it says 10%, which isn't loads, particularly if you're not really pushing that chip with a, you know, like a high-end game or something. But it does yeah. claim a 25% reduction in power consumption. Mm. which could be a biggie because one of the things we actually did notice if we noticed anything at all between the uh qualcomm snapdragon 8 gen 1 and 8 plus gen 1 was the 8 plus was a lot more power efficient and battery life yes. was a lot better yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah, get yeah. hot did it um i know if you, aaron aaron have you reviewed any hmm. gaming phones with the, the 8 plus in it yeah so i was gonna say so i reviewed <laughs> this the rog phone 6 pro yeah which had the 8 plus gen 1 and then the 6d ultimate which had the MediaTek Dimensity 8100 8, Ultra. There you go. So they're basically identical phones except the chipset. And in terms of performance, they were pretty much on par. Mm -hmm. But then you looked at the battery life, there was quite a noticeable different drop-off on the MediaTek version. Ah, uh, really? Capacity. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to what this supposed jump in power efficiency. Obviously, the 8 Plus Gen 2 is going to probably make some sort of gain in power efficiency as well. Mm -hmm. But really nice to see kind of straight off the bat what what this chip's able to do compared to the previous gen it's just fun that they're they're in the conversation now really more than anything because mm -hmm. yeah like you were saying for so long it was just qualcomm or nothing like and you'd only ever see the media's tech on like kind of you know like china only phones and and you never really saw it too much of it in europe and if you did it was kind of really budget phones mm -hmm. so then they got this association with being low powered when that's not really the case at the high exactly, end. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You, like you say, they were they were painted very broadly with the wrong brush about just because they had great deals with budget phones, it doesn't mean they're yeah. just a slow chip company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, you're very right. And one of the, I was thinking, uh, so many phones, uh, but of all the phones I reviewed this year, low-key, one of my favorites is the OnePlus Nord 2T. And that had, I, I, I will admit, I forget, I want to say 1300, probably wrong. I think it is a 1300. Um, that has <laughs> MediaTek, let's go with it, Dimensity 1300, uh, I'll check later. Um, and that phone was very good, very snappy, and for the price, yeah. like really, really performant. Mm. And it was interesting to me that, it, you know, they'd gone with uh, that instead of Qualcomm. Uh, who knows why? Maybe they're undercutting in price. Maybe it's just because OnePlus decides, actually, this is a better chip at that level than the equivalent Snapdragon. I mean, it is the, you know, it's the benchmark for like a lot of mid-range phones is can it beat the 2T in performance? Mm. And most of the time, yeah. the answer is no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's by quite a, a while as well that, that uh, OnePlus has the lead there. Yeah. One, of my, one of my favorite phones of the year. I might even prefer it to the Google Pixel 6a. I don't know. Old, old. Wow. Maybe not the design, but just like mm. the, the actual use of it. I, I like it, and 
I think uh, we won't get into that because I could go on about it for too long. Um, one of the other interesting <laughs> things in Dom's article that um, I thought we could maybe briefly touch on before we move on, uh, the ways that, um, again, apart from the power that you talked about in Iron uh, or the, the battery efficiency, like what are the other things that uh, a chip maker can do to differentiate itself from a competitor? And, and how can that translate into something useful on a phone uh, for the user? And it made me think about this little point here where um, it has a new image signal processor on it, uh, which using AI apparently can pick out objects um, and separate things uh, in photos and actually recognize them. Uh, and it can also optimize sections of a photo. For example, it can tell when there's sky uh, uh, crossing over with land or something, and it can um, process those differently rather than just doing it as like a blank sheet like phones used to. Um, and it made me think about like the things like a magic eraser, which Google has really gone all in on in its marketing. And that's that no, you need has. AI on Google's Tensor chip uh, to do that. Interestingly, not Qualcomm or MediaTek, Samsung, that one. Uh, but again, another uh, avenue I won't go down. Uh, and then also within Apple's iOS 16, now you can press on hold on a person and then you can send them as a quick sticker in iMessage, which is which is a little bit silly, but quite fun. And obviously mm-hmm. you can't Everyone do that. Everyone loves it when you show it to them. Like, yeah, they lose their <laughs> minds for that. Like It's just it's the one big feature of iOS 16 that people can't get, seem to get over. Yeah, it does make it more difficult to uh, play um, live My photos, photos now. Yeah, yeah. I keep just copying, and it kind of is a bit annoying. Um, but you know, those things wouldn't be possible without uh, onboard AI processing on on a phone. And so, I guess yeah. if 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 um, you know, MediaTek can walk into a, a, an important meeting about a new flagship and show the kind of things that it could do, because it's not just what the chip can do in performance; it's what the manufacturer can then do in the software with the chip mm-hmm. you, you can't yeah. just do it you need the chip to be able to support those things so um i mean i, I can't think of anything that a phone could do that it doesn't do at the moment to be honest but it's nice yeah. to be surprised by little things like that i mean that we, we've rattled through that there but do you have any other thoughts about uh mediatek's new uh big chip just briefly yeah i was i was interested that i think it says in dom's article about there being basically support for the technology for ray tracing yeah, yes, that's really, what I wanted to jump on yeah, as well. Yeah, it was really interesting. Obviously, very hardly any games are supporting it like that you can get on the Play Store. So, um, if we're looking for these gaming companies trying to differentiate themselves and kind of take the gaming experience to the next level, yeah, I can see that being something they'll jump on if it's as good as as MediaTek is making it, and a lot of developers get on board. That could be a real great feature moving forward. For anyone who's unaware, could you either of you give like a quick ten second explanation as to what ray tracing actually is and why it's a big deal if it's coming to phones? Uh, I mean, I can take that. Yeah, <laughs> Please, yeah, do. Um, Please do. Please <laughs> do. It's basically it's, it's just a way to simulate actual light in games. There's different levels of it. With the most realistic, you're not going to get that on a phone anytime soon. You can barely get it on a high-end PC. But right. um, essentially, it just means that when you look into reflections, you'll be able to see the actual reflections of, of the way, like where the light's hitting the room, and it'll kind of distort as it would in reality, and just things like that to make games look a little bit more natural and, and lifelike. Um, very exciting. Mm. And I think the screen, the technology, the quality of the screens is already there. It's almost just like the yeah. technology underneath to make it as good and kind of push it to its limits. So mm. that's what I always is say about how, sorry, how great the, the displays are. And then it almost feels like it's overkill for what the devices are capable of right now. Oh, so yeah, definitely. If it's able to kind of take it to the next level, that'd be great. I think it's um, the the interesting thing for me is that Samsung worked with AMD to bring ray tracing to their chipset earlier this year, like their Exynos chipset. I think it was a 9200 or whatever it is this year's um, chipset. And yeah, no one talks about it at all because it's just on one Samsung chipset. Right. I think it's, and I don't think it's available on Qualcomm's 8 Plus Gen 1. I'm not too sure. Is it is it fair um, to say as well that ray tracing is actually quite hard to appreciate unless you have a quite a big screen like a TV? Yeah, I think for the most part, it's only it's it's minor it's minor details like the reflections in rain on the floor and and you know like shiny surfaces mm. and stuff like that. So it, it it's not going to be a game changer for things like Candy Crush and stuff like that. <laughs> but as as manufacturers and, and developers kind of move more towards high end gaming on a phone, it, I think it will make more of a difference there. Cool, thanks for that explanation. That's a good point. I hadn't picked up on that. Uh, yeah, that that is what another differentiator. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, we should have some more news coming out of California uh, from our man on the ground. So keep California. Keep, <laughs> so keep an eye on uh, Lewis is singing and on TechAdvisor.com uh, <laughs> if you want to know more about that. Uh, a very extensive article there with all the information, and let us know what you think in the comments if you are watching along live. Thank you very much. Uh, we will move on now to our second topic, uh, which uh-huh. is a phone that I have in my hand, which uh, I can show you there is the. 
Huawei Mate 50 Pro. Bit of a uh, contracted um, release for this one. We spoke about it briefly a few weeks ago, uh, where Huawei briefed international media that it was coming to Europe and then didn't tell us when. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is now coming out in a week from today as we record, I believe, the 17th of November. Uh, so the, for a bit of a recap, as you probably know, Huawei was really taking the fight to uh, Samsung and even debatably Apple with stuff like uh, its cameras in like the Huawei P20 uh, and 30 Pro, great uh, smartphones. But yeah. because of basic, this is very basic, <laughs> but basically because of Donald Trump's uh, it's sort of a trade embargo on Huawei dealing um, anymore with US companies. All its phones that it releases now in Europe, which is fewer, um, cannot natively run Google mobile services and they do not come with the uh, Google Play Store installed. Um, so from a user point of view, it's slightly hostile. When you get the phone and you don't have a Google Play Store, you can sideload apps, but we'll get onto that. Uh, and another thing, you don't have the underlying Google mobile services anymore. So uh, that usually doesn't really matter if you want to if you want to download apps. But for things like Uber and City Mapper, I found out about City. I find sorry, but you're probably going to cover this a little bit more in a bit. But I find that the biggest thing with the lack of Google services on, on Huawei is, is like the lack of autofill, like just little things <laughs> oh, like that. Yeah, I just I don't know any of my passwords, so I'm like, well, I can't remember. Yeah, in a way, it's made me think about my reliance on Google and whether that's a good yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So also, yes, you don't have autofill from uh, your Google account, so you have to remember all your passwords or go and look them up on another device. And yeah, like Uber and CityMapper run on Google Maps, so they don't work. Um, yep. But I, I really was really interested in this phone because of um, the fact it exists in Europe, at least. It does cost £1,200. And this is a phone with a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, so the latest... But it is only 4G. Um, one of the few only 4G versions of this phone on the market, I reckon. Because, uh, again, because of the the, the, uh, the ban, uh, they can no longer, Huawei, work with Qualcomm to, to support 5G. I don't quite know how they've got the new chip. But anyway, it's not a Kirin chip, <laughs> which Huawei doesn't really even make anymore. This is this is Qualcomm in here. Um, and it is the, the only the Mate 50 Pro version that's available in Europe. There's also like a Porsche edition and a regular Mate 50. We're not talking about Ooh. that. It's just this one. We don't get the nice vegan orange leather version in this country either. And I think this might actually... There's a, there, so I've got the silver one, as you can see. Uh, uh, I'll take this gross case off it. It's just such a, it's very, it's a, very, slip, it's a very slippery phone. It does kind of have a case in the box. It's scary. It's also a black uh, one <laughs> and a really, really nice uh, orange vegan leather one. But... Even if I made you guess, which I won't, what the differences are between the orange one and the other ones, <laughs> it's like the weirdest <sighs> difference, right? So there's an orange one. It looks the nicest, in my opinion. It costs, I think it's available in Europe for 200 euros more. It's not available in the UK. So it's 1,400 uh, euros. Ooh. If you get the orange one, it looks a bit nicer. But you get uh, Huawei special Kunlun glass. Huawei no longer or does not use uh, Corning Gorilla Glass. That might be to do with the ban. I don't right. know, but it uh, doesn't. And I've seen some YouTubers drop it face down, and it does not smash or crack or scratch. Um, wow. I've seen a guy drop it on concrete. A lot of YouTubers haven't bothered, don't want to break it. <laughs> but no. they say that it's like Very 10 scary. times tougher than the glass on my you know, crappy 1,200-pound phone. Um so that's one difference. And then the other difference is that they're both IP68 water resistant. Uh, my one only to two meters, the orange one to six meters. And those apparently are the only two differences. So you're paying for those two things and the orange. Anyway. How, how, how much extra is that? Did you, did you uh, a 200 euros extra. Oh, wow. I think. It's definitely 100. It might be 200. I'll have to check the pricing. We do have it's so it's so niche. Yeah. Like that's definitely not for the everyday consumer, is it? It's... I know. I mean, it's just like a special edition, basically. Um, yeah. But anyway, I have. Well, they've already got the Porsche edition. And they so then they they have the Mate that. RS, which is the Porsche. <laughs> is it Porsche? Or is it just Mate RS? I get... Anyway, yes, exactly. Oh, no. uh, but that's China only. We have <laughs> the silver one, and we've I've been having a look at it. And I've tried to uh, be a bit fairer than perhaps uh, I am inclined to be about the barriers mm -hmm. to using this phone because it's very interesting it has a uh, this one here is a um i'm pointing to one of the lenses audio listeners it has four cameras on the back one of which um the main lens is a 50 megapixel uh 
lens, but it has a 10 stop physical aperture, which you can change in the pro mode of the camera. So that makes me so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, so basically, yeah, one of the most pop, uh, famous phones to ever have a um, any kind of physical aperture because you can change, you can kind of, you know, it basically changes the depth of field as you guys know. Yeah. But um, yeah, as you would do on a proper, um, you know, digital or film camera, you can change uh, how much light is let into the lens and you can actually see it moving like a little kind of spiral, letting the light in and out like a real lens. Um, it is a real lens. Um, it can go between <laughs> f1.4 and f4.0. And so what you're basically looking at here is if you want to take a portrait shot of a person or an object, uh, as you dial in the f-stop up and down, it will basically blur and unblur the background on a kind of scale. I would say, having used it, it's not as useful as you think. Okay. I thought this was going to be like game-changing, game like yeah. <laughs> but the, I think the thing is, I've been spoiled, and we've been spoiled by how good software processing is on phones already. So we've already seen that phones can including this Huawei phone itself and the portrait mode on here, but also portrait modes on other phones are very clever about doing it already. But the advantage mm -hmm. you have here is that because it's a physical change, it's a little better um, than some in general, but then also with like kind of the edges of things, it's just like I was really about to say, the edge detection should be the main thing really, shouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, it is better and it is fun to play with. Um, but I didn't find myself using it as much as I thought I would. But that's not to say it's not excellent. It's just the camera on here is already incredibly good. And I would actually go as far <laughs> to say that this could be, it could be the best camera phone of the year, in my opinion. Ooh. It really is very good. Um, while it's sort of quietly been able to get on with its post-processing um, and like it's, you know, it's management of dynamic range and things like that. And on the main lens in particular, like some of the shots I'm getting are ridiculously good. Um, low light is very, very good. Um, definition is great and on occasions I've been like shooting around with the uh, the Vivo X80 Pro and um, Samsung loaned me an S22 Ultra so that I could see how it compared to that and the iPhone 14 that I've got here as well and uh, it doesn't always win out but particularly against the iPhone I'm preferring and again it sometimes it's down to preference uh, but what the Huawei can do so they've clearly nailed the hardware um, it's just the software. That was always that was always it, wasn't yeah. it? Back in like back when in its heyday, like Huawei always had kind of the top tier hardware, especially yeah. when it came to their cameras. Like they were, you know, in the early days of the Android um, smart camera market, like they were miles ahead of everybody else, yeah. especially in low light for the first few years. So it's exciting to see them kind of just go back to that, knowing that they can't win on everything, but let's just do all we can for one yeah. area of the phone. Yeah, it's, it's a really it's a really great uh, experience, and it? it's got a notch on the front which people yeah. don't love, but I don't really mind. It's very thin. And what it means is that it's one of the only uh, phones out there which has a 3D face unlock like oh, the nice. iPhone does. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, the Pixel finally got a face unlock, but it's just 2D. And as soon as there's any kind of low light, it didn't work, basically, on, on the Pixel yeah. 7. <laughs> but this one, just like the iPhone, works in like, you know, pitch black or whatever. Um, nice. So that's pretty cool as well. But... We have to talk about the software uh, briefly um, because so this ships with EMUI. They still call it EMUI in Europe, um, even though in uh, China they call it Harmony OS 3. I think we're on EMUI 13 now, which I think is them being a bit cheeky because I believe this runs on Android 12. But this, there's no way to actually <laughs> check within the settings because they don't want to call it Android anywhere anymore. It's not Android. Yeah. How dare you say <laughs> so it's Android? So it's based 12. on open source Android, but they, it's, you can't, they don't use the word Android anywhere because that's associated with Google, blah, 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 as you were uh, um, kind of suggesting there, Lewis. Um, <laughs> so basically, what they say is that you should use their app Phone Clone to move all your apps over. Because the thing is, this phone, like any Android um, device, can still run all Android apps, but you have to sideload them. And the act of sideloading is not a really household uh, understanding, shall we say. People don't really no, know yeah. what that means. You basically have to go to a website like APK Pure or APK Mirror, and download the APK file, and then just load it onto your phone. And that's what I've been doing. And what Huawei kind of recommends now is you go to its app gallery, which is its own store, and you see if the app there is there first. And so this is where you start to come up across uh, up the barriers. And like even as someone who reviews a lot of phones, <laughs> I'm like, mm. so the big apps that they have in there are 
they actually have a partnership with that you can download with outside loading is stuff like TikTok, Snapchat, Tinder. For me, the Premier League app, great addition. Sky News. Oh, wow. Um, so it's got better since the last time I saw it. Yeah, one, it has improved considerably. The train line, like it's, it, they've kind of gone for more like, let's try and nail some apps that localized. are like localized, useful ones. And yeah. um, they, they've done a lot more with transport in Europe as well. Um, so yeah, the UK okay. might not be as uh, as as um, good as maybe some of the European options, but they're kind of going for mm-hmm. like, can we do, they've got Curve for payments and then they're just trying to hit like transport and like things like that. Um, I asked while I was like, what about Uber? And they were like, we've got Bolt. And so, you know, they can kind of like, <laughs> they do have a response and I, I will give them a bit of time for like, they've gone out there and done it. And what they used to do is if you didn't have App Gallery, they had this little program called Petal Search which is kind of a, a do-all search app, but they, they kind of don't want you to use that anymore. And instead, within oh. App Gallery, you can type in, say, WhatsApp, and they don't have that, but it will give you a couple of alternatives at the top, and that, but then it will actually <laughs> show you a APK link to the official version of WhatsApp from an official source. And they say, so again, this is another step you have to go beyond and kind of be in the know, and it's not necessarily someone on the street is going to know what's going on here. But it does serve you up yeah. with the correct APK from the official source if they have one, because WhatsApp, you can actually go to the WhatsApp website and just download uh, <laughs> it if you don't want to do it through the Play Store. Um, and it will take you off to another screen to a website. And they told me, I was like, how, how do you keep on top of this? Is it safe? And they say that they don't whitelist any links and they say that they manually check them all every day oh, wow. <laughs> i can't they can't prove that they do that i can't prove that they don't do that but that's what huawei <laughs> says um and in my experience i mean like let me just open this a sec and see what i've got on my home screen whatsapp is one of the ones that i haven't done if i'm honest with you um yeah i did put my sim card in this phone and use it uh, but i didn't want to move my whatsapp because you can't move your whatsapp history and it's just the whole thing. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Because you, yeah. Back, you back drive, up right? WhatsApp on Android to, to drive. Google Drive. Um, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I've got... Oh, I won't hold it up to the camera. But I've got Twitter, Premier League, Bolt, <laughs> Instagram, Telegram, Google, Google Chrome. It's just you can't sync anything. Um, Spotify. I've got my Gmail within Huawei's um, inbox app. Sorry, email e- okay. email app, rather. And that yeah. works absolutely fine. Um Anyway, I've got, a ton, I've got a ton of apps there, basically. So there's an argument to be made after all my rambling, and I'll let you ask some questions, I'm sorry, uh, is that <laughs> it's actually WhatsApp that stopped me using this phone full time as my only phone every day than actually Huawei itself. Because every other app I could use with no issue. Yeah. Um, mm. The one thing that I'm slightly unclear on, and that's why my review hasn't gone up yet, I'm still kind of toying around with it, I thought it was, uh, I've got it on airplane mode here, sorry, is that I was also told by Huawei that, because I was like, what about app updates? We're sideloading yeah. app, apps Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, they told me that you go, into the, you go into app gallery rather than any other part of the phone, which is their official app store, click on me, and then click on app updates. And I've had this phone for a week now, and I've not had one single app update appear in that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go sus. back to them and ask, because obviously at the time, it's directing me towards the latest APK. Yeah. Um, and after you've got all over all those barriers and I've got my phone set up, then it's actually quite good. Um, but if those apps aren't going to update, then I'm not too sure. I will say I've had good experience with APK Pure's repository, just downloading that straight to the phone and then because they also have an auto update system and theirs does work quite well. So even if uh, Huawei's one doesn't work, there are alternatives that prop might do a so little bit So is that better. using the APK app and then downloading them from that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Pure. And then it has a built-in auto-update okay. uh, based on oh, the apps that they've got on their system. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, because one of the things they said was you can, they, they encourage people who want to get the Huawei phone to, to just use phone clone at the beginning of the process to move all your apps over so then you don't mm. even have to download them in this way. Um, yeah. I'm waiting for an answer, but with iPhone on phone clone, it didn't give me that option to move any apps. <laughs> so I'm, no, I'm, I don't imagine I'm it assuming <laughs> you can do that with Android. Um but I mean, yeah, that's a kind of a whistle-stop tour of what I think about this phone. Is there anything I've missed out or anything that you, you'd be interested to know? Um, is there anything exceptional about like fast charging and stuff like that? Because they used to go pretty good on that. Good question. Um, no. <laughs> it's fast. Oh. <laughs> it's faster uh, than some. You, it comes with a 66-watt 
uh, charger oh, in the box, okay. which isn't too bad. I feel like they've stuck with that for a couple of generations now. Yeah. That sounds like a familiar number. Yeah, I don't think that is... Uh, yeah, I don't think that's improved since the, the P50 Pro, which would have been the last one that we reviewed. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it a lot, actually. And once you kind of, as you say, get all your apps on there, um, I have just been carrying another phone in my back pocket because of WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got your WhatsApp So like phone. I say, like I'm um, kind of thinking about how to, yeah, write about it. Um, and that's So is it is it still the hardcore tech enthusiast who just, is it like is it is it is it any closer to becoming an everyday person's phone or is it still just it's a niche it's a good question uh it's still uh, as you well know an everyday person's phone in its native china i i've been quite interested to see uh that the whole thing with with the ban ha has affected huawei sales in china even though yeah. its chinese rom phones don't run google services it has actually affected its its sales in some way or, or at least the sales have gone down so we can't say for sure if it was because of yeah, that but, nah. it, but it has um i would say that if you're a techie person and you like the look of the camera on here which is actually incredibly good um <laughs> genuinely very very good um and you want to try something a bit different and you're willing to sideload some apps in a phone that it has made it easier to do than ever before then yes it's just difficult if you're a person who only wants to buy a new phone every four years, spending £1,200 on mm. a phone that you might yeah. get annoyed with at some points. Then again, I mean, there are phones coming out all the time, uh, you know, kind of in the Android world that are like, itch Google, don't do anything with Google, like, you know, phones that run like Lineage or like some other mm. OS. Like if you don't want to mm. use Google and generally don't want to have Google services on a phone, then you do have a Huawei phone. It just depends on your opinion about Huawei as a company and if that's a company you want to give your data to. <laughs> yes. That's a conversation yeah. I didn't think we needed to have today about Huawei. No. But um, yeah, mm. I've just, been impressed. Yeah, just quick, I, I know you talk quite a lot about the rear cameras. What's the selfie camera like? Is there just that one? Is good, that is a good question. Uh, there is just one. I'm not too much of a selfie, ta <laughs> selfie taker. Uh, there is only one. <laughs> It's an, another one of these phones where you have to turn off all the beauty modes. Oh, it's yeah. pretty. It's it's pretty good. Uh, not too much to write home about. I was more. I was more enamoured with the whole three D uh, face unlock thing that you got going on up there. But yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, it's pretty. It's pretty solid. It's interesting that that came back actually because that was a, around a few years ago, and then they took it away after like one generation. Yeah. Was, and then they went back to just the the standard punch hole camera so it's interesting that they've they've pivoted back to this again yeah i'm not entirely sure why that's a good point they had it on a, a mate 20 pro i think and maybe the mate yeah something like that but then the mate 40 pro which was actually a couple of years ago apparently did it because i didn't review that phone it did it still but in just a little pill because a little pill shape it had two front facing cameras i might yeah, be wrong there. Does, so yeah. i'm not i'm not doubting it if apple <laughs> can do it then so can I might, I might well be wrong but yeah um yeah, yeah. interesting phone um There'll be a review coming soon. But yeah, if you don't, basically my, my sort of short review at the moment is if you've got a bit of patience um, and you don't use WhatsApp, <laughs> yeah. then it might actually work for you. Um, so Great for Americans. <laughs> Not so much for those anywhere else. Good point. <laughs> this is the, yeah, the Huawei phone for America. You can't buy it in America, but you can import it. <laughs> um, that's a good point. No, so I've been pleasantly surprised. Obviously, there's still mm. issues and I will have to check in about um, app updates because that could end up becoming really annoying um yeah but i'll just, give it just, its due yeah just Sorry. a quick one um i know we've obviously talked about the the app side of the software how do you find the general software experience and where would you say it ranks in terms of android skins and that is a good question that's good, that a good question i really like the display on this phone so i think i've uh, because it's just bright and sharp and, and quite good i think i've ended up forgiving some of the software quirks right. it's not the best um, for example, yeah, you've got to, you've got to pull down from the top right corner, and it just basically copies Apple's control center. That's about to say, that sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> and you basically just get exactly. Huawei is still shameless in how it copies Apple's, uh, you know, branding um, and product <laughs> design, particularly in, in like tablets and stuff like that. But this is, yeah, not not great. I don't really like how notifications come in. Um, it's just something a bit on rails about it. It, it it's not it's not a very customizable phone you can't change like app icon sizes things like that um you instead they've kind of gone in with this new version of emui uh, where you can like put a like a lot of um apps in one big widget so you can have I mean, like yeah i mean 
they yeah. make a big deal out of it. I kind of wanted to get rid of it, but I kept it there. <laughs> <laughs> it comes preloaded with that on the front screen. So, uh, yeah, it's not the most customizable. It's quite pretty, and the dark mode is good, uh, and all the settings haven't been mucked around with too much in terms of what they are on, on regular Android. Mm. But no, it's not the most customizable, right. and it did annoy me a little bit, yeah. So do, do they have the equivalent of, like, Android launches that you can download and then put something different That's on? a very good question. I haven't actually tried that. Mm. Maybe I'll see if I can sideload yeah. <laughs> over launcher yeah. and see if it plays yeah, nice with it. That's a good point. So basically, it's a t yeah, it's a bit of a tinkerer's phone, I think. Um, it might annoy you if, it, if you bought, if you bought it as your regular phone. Obviously, Huawei don't think that, and they have, to be fair to them, uh, come a long way to fixing this issue uh, that was brought upon them. So um, yeah, I have no idea how I'm going to score this phone. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> uh, but we shall see. So thanks a lot for, uh, for listening to me, to me rant uh, about that phone. Um, I've enjoyed it more than I thought. Um, nice. Thanks a lot. Well, just to finish off, we don't have too much time left, uh, but I suppose that's okay because we have not got too much to go on with our last topic of the day. But in really selling it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, this is incredibly interesting. So, um, no, it's, so basically what this is, uh, today uh, we reported having been told by Honor that it is launching its new and second ever foldable phone. Uh, on the 23rd of November, and it will be called the Honor Magic VS. But because of how they've stylized it, it's a capital V and a small s, so to me it just looks like Magic Versus, Magic versus <laughs> uh, which is kind of a cool name. Um, I, I also double-checked, because back at IFA, um, I was at the Honor press conference there, and they had a big announcement that its next flagship, oh, sorry, its next foldable phone, that's right, would come to a global market rather than just China, because the original Honor Magic V which only came out in January, uh, was China only. And they confirmed to me that, yes, this phone is coming to, and I quote, global markets, of which we are part of. <laughs> so we might get it in the UK. Global markets, what that normally means is it's coming to Europe, maybe yeah. mm. India, I don't know. We don't know. But exciting enough that it's going to be outside of China. Um, anyway, launching on, in China on the 23rd of November, and all we have to go on at the moment uh, is a uh, promotional picture and it does look quite a lot like the original V that is to say it looks quite a lot like a Galaxy Fold <laughs> um, but this image that we have up here it's a gold uh, phone uh, it looks quite thin so potentially they've thinned it down and the fact that you've got this being called the Honor Magic V S it's an S version iPhone 5S you know incremental changes here yeah. so what I kind of wanted to ask you guys about not really about that phone because we don't know that much about it um, but it, whether or not folding phones have kind of already reached a bit of a you know early cycle plateau because if yeah. you look at the, the how how the the Galaxy Fold the maybe the Fold three that was quite a big jump and then Lewis you just re reviewed the Fold four and it was basically a Fold three right um, yeah essentially a bit of like how we were talking about with diminishing returns on uh, chipset evolution I wondered what you both thought about where we stand with foldable phones obviously it'll be good if we get a new um, European challenger with honor moving back into that market. Mm. What, what's your yeah. opinion? What do you think about where we I mean, stand? I think a lot of it is down more to competition mm -hmm. um, than anything else because in, in the West, at least, the, the majority of foldables do just come from Samsung mm -hmm. and there is no competition. <laughs> you know, you've got the Razer now uh, that's now coming out to kind of compete and undercut the, the Z Flip 4 uh, by 50 quid in the UK, which is always nice. Yep. Um, but aside from that, they've had no competition. So, like, they don't need to push out these revolutionary updates when there's no one to compete with them on their market share. And then once people do start coming to Europe and the UK and all these other countries and whatever, then they can you know, start whacking all this hardware that they've been no doubt working on behind closed doors for some time. Because they need to keep some stuff exciting for next year. They're always thinking about next yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually we reap the reward. What do you think, Aniron? Like, are you, are you a fan of the fold as this one looks like, kind of the, the small screen on the outside, big screen on the inside, or do, do you prefer the, the flip kind of? Vibe? I was yeah, I was going to say that I think the flip is the one that I like. Now, if I was saying if I had any money to spend on a phone, I would probably choose say the Z Flip Four. As in any phone or a foldable phone, you'd go. Mm, it depends <laughs> what I'm looking for. I mean, I haven't tried it beyond a couple of minutes, but in theory, I like it. Think because it's gone to the price where it's undercutting some regular flagships. Yes. Yep. Whereas yeah. with these um, like phone tablet hybrids, they're still so much more expensive. And then you feel mm -hmm. like I can get a great phone and a great tablet and still save a few hundred quid. So I think the price is probably the big thing. 
In fact, they haven't completely ironed out. Um, like there's always, there's always, it feels like you're compromising something with mm. these, these yeah. ones. Whereas it feels yeah. like uh, with the flip one, I'm getting an, a big phone screen and then it's still really pocketable and I can still um, like use the rear cameras for selfies. I can still do stuff without opening it. It feels like there's enough reason to buy that over a regular phone. Whereas with this, with the other form factor, it's not quite there yet. But as you say, I think with competition and hopefully that'll help drive the price down, we could maybe, you know, in a couple of years' time, it could be a different story. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I yeah. think I agree with um, an iron on, on the whole flip versus fold thing. Like, I think the flippy fold form factor is, in the short term anyway, going to be the more popular option because, yeah, like you say, the, the folds are expensive and you are compromising on the aspect ratio yeah. of the display and then the fact that most apps don't then support those crazy aspect ratios. So, like, you know, you're paying 1600 sometimes two grand for these phones and then you're still like, well, I can't open Instagram. <laughs> like what's the point in that um yeah. whereas yeah with, with the flip phones there's no optimization needed because they are still when they're open the same size yeah. as a normal phone and to just speaking to people about these kind of foldable phones because obviously samsung's doing a big push uh in advertising like i see so many z fold adverts and z flip sorry adverts at the moment and yeah you know people that aren't even care don't like don't care about phones in my life are like i really want that phone like it's the phone that i want mm. so they're doing something right with it. Yeah, for sure. Like it definitely appeals more to just like the general consumer, both yeah. in the way that they're marketing it and like the, the maybe the nostalgia of the flip form factor. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the fold one is just this new thing, and like you say, it's a bit cumbersome. And when you open Instagram on like a fold three or four, you can't even see like a whole post. So yeah, you just mm. it's just ridiculous. It's just, yeah. And then you're missing it. Your, your stories are cropped to like the middle third. Yeah. So like you can't see the top or bottom, and it's just yeah. So uh, yeah, a bit like we were talking about with the Mate 50. It's almost like they're in kind of still in like sort of tech enthusiast early adopter yeah. like tinkerer vibe. Like 100%. buy this if you've got cash money and you like you know um, having a second phone. But yeah, the flip we've seen. Uh, we talked about the other week like the Huawei. Um, flips but they're the pocket series rather but they're, they're yeah, only the, china and then we've got mm. the razor which we're yet to review um looks a bit more promising as you say it's undercut samsung but still like you say like it needs more competition doesn't it because at the moment samsung could just do yeah. it once and that's the default um are there any things that you think they could improve particularly with this fold f form factor because we talk about the flip and you can make it slimmer you can make the screen yeah. uh, you know a, mm. bit, a bit nicer or a different shape maybe um but what what can do you see could be the improvement of the fold form factor? Mm. Um, I mean, for me, after using the fold four, I'd yeah. say the main thing is the aspect ratio. I think it's just too boxy. Like it's not just it's not just boxy for boxes. Like it, it's not good for split screen multitasking. It's not really good for viewing content. So like it's not really good for much. It's just because it's just the the best form factor for that kind of do, thing. Do all know? roads lead to you bigging up the Oppo Find N? <laughs> um, possibly, well, possibly. Is that because that <laughs> this is the, that's the one you like, right? Because it was squatter. It's only slightly. Yeah, it's only a slight difference between them in the internal display, but that was enough to give it some semblance of a rectangular mm. orientation. Mm. So it was slightly better for things like TikTok and Instagram. It was still cutting off, but it right. wasn't quite that bad. So I'd want something slightly more dramatic than that. Like I, I want like a, a square phone on the outside, and then you open it up to like a big sixteen by nine on the inside, mm. something like that, mm. where you can use it for you know, everything that you use it for usually, and then you can watch movies on it and stuff. And then you've got a, a decently sized, a decent aspect ratio screen for split screen multitasking as well. I mean, it makes it a little bit less pocketable, mm. but yeah. um, I think the aspect ratio is the big thing that, that manufacturers need to work on. Mm. Yeah, on the thing of making it, I'd be willing certainly with this form factor for it to be less pocketable and feel like, particularly that tablet experience is like yeah. a proper full tablet experience. Because I would even say, yeah. I don't know this, don't know the figures for sure, but I would imagine the iPad mini sells less than the bigger sizes of iPad. So I would want to go to something which is capable of going to like a nine or even ten inch screen. And then you have a you have a huge phone. I think people are more <laughs> open to like a seven inch phone that could become a ten yeah. inch tablet. Yeah. I hadn't really thought if, about it that way around, yeah. Yeah, because I think um well, we were basically in that territory a few years ago with Huawei. Like they released like a six point nine inch, a seven point one inch. Yeah. Like there was like a, a version Love of the that Mate thing. that was basically a switch. It was like. the Mate uh, Mate Twenty X. Yeah, that phone. That was a <laughs> absolute surfboard. But yeah, I see what you mean, Anar. Like just like offering a, an unashamedly huge phone. Yeah, but one that opens to like a bigger tablet that could cope with a better mm. aspect ratio. Almost yeah. one. Yeah, one where the tablet is thought of first, and then it can fold down to something that. You 
put your SIM card in. Because I think that makes more sense in this. I, I also, well, first of all, the thing I was going to say was I just want it to close flat. Because particularly with the big, <laughs> with nice, the fold, because yeah. uh, the find end, again, closes completely flat. Um, it does. But the, find, the, the folds do not. You kind of get like a wedge and it's a whole thing. Uh, but then, yeah, so I, I guess the, <laughs> the, the problem with them becoming smaller or thinner is that where does the battery go? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you were talking about like a bigger version, mm. then, you know, you can have a, big, a couple of big thin batteries in there. Maybe that's maybe that's where it's going to go. I just also want the crease to disappear, and many yeah, factories yeah, are sure. tending to do that. But it, I just, it's not for want of trying, like you say. Like, always it's, it's a next physics year. problem. Like when you bend things, there's a crease. Yeah. Like how yeah. how are we going to get around that? Like yeah, there's a crease and there's a hinge and there's parts. Like how do you how do you stop that? And also maybe we should just reverse it and finish on this note. But do you think we need foldables? Do we need them? Uh, is it is it because they can do it? Or are we seeing? Mm. And are we seeing like the early evolution where we'll look back and laugh that we ever, we ever <laughs> we question the existence of the foldable? Like, but is it just because manufacturers can do it? Do we actually need it? Is there a use case in which they are essential? Uh, I think Samsung's trying to carve it out, especially with the flip as being this like hands-free photography phone. You know, you can put it down and you can hold it up halfway, and you can still do stuff. Um, but I think. Uh, Maybe the big fold aspect ratio mm. might be one that kind of disappears in the next few years if they can't find a way uh, for, you know, to either kind of work with the aspect ratio and that kind of thing or get developers to really come on board and, and design for that aspect ratio because one of those two things needs to happen or it's just going to be dead in the water. Yeah. It feels like obviously we had quite a few years of the smartphone market kind of in general stagnating and there was like, oh, yeah. here's our big push to foldables. Mm -hmm. I think maybe some of those early adopters would have hoped it was a bit further on by now. Um, oh, 100%. Because at the moment, it's still, as we say, it's kind of this enthusiast niche thing. It's just about piercing kind of that upper end of the mainstream. Um, yeah. I do think eventually they will get there. But I think it will take maybe, we might be waiting, say, five years before we genuinely mm -hmm. get that kind of, that fold form factor that you think, right, you should actually buy that over a tablet and separate phone. Like I want like a Westworld type one where it folds down in like a three or four screen oh, yeah. type thing, you know, mm. where it opens up like to so like a book or whatever. Like, like, like yeah. something like that. Like we might find that it's not even the folding thing that ends up being the norm. Like LG and then other other companies are sort of seeing stretchable and rollable form form factors where you have yeah. like a little phone and then it just kind of extends a little bit somehow <laughs> into like a bigger Magic. tablet without having to fold <laughs> and then you've still got like a, a smaller thing and then also like an Aaron, you're the pc guy like which yes. is the is it lenovo that's got the, the the x1 fold is that what it's called yeah lenovo's got that the x1 fold two generations in that now and then um, asus has come up with a 17 fold oled um yes. with that i'm I, I see what they're trying to do so they're like it can be a tablet it can be like a small kind of compact like notebook laptop or it can actually be kind of a desktop style setup with a separate keyboard and stuff. Right, right. So it's like a three-in-one. Um, obviously, that is even newer than the foldable phones, and we're gonna it's gonna take quite a long time for that because it's just all of those. Because I've only tried the Asus one so far, but all of those form factors felt like you're compromising compared to the real thing. Yeah. So like <laughs> you had something with huge chunky bezels, a really big crease, really heavy as well. Um, and I'll then, say it did look quite bulky in the pictures that I yeah, saw of it. And then it didn't have the power <laughs> to replace your desktop. So there was all compromised right, in lots yeah, of right, different yeah. areas. Um, so that's a really exciting one. I hope, because obviously there's lots of different laptop companies I think are looking at bringing out foldables maybe next year for laptops with folding screens. They're really just tablets with detachable keyboards. But. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> Don't ruin the illusion of Iron Jeez. It's a good point what you say there, though, like the fact that it doesn't have the power to compete with something else. And then I suppose we're also talking about the incremental things all building up so that maybe in a three years' time, then it actually makes sense to buy it. Because yeah. the, if anything, the little jump we saw between the Flip 3 and the Flip 4 was the battery life was just better because they yeah. figured out how to do that, whether it's the chip whether it's a bigger battery, both of these things make sense. Um, that's how you improve it, because one of the, the worst things about the Flip 3 was you had to charge it twice a day. That's an interesting little way to, to, to look at that. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure I would put my money down on a foldable yet over a different phone. But I have, again, mm. like you say, friends who have done it. So watch this space for the uh, magic verses, as we will call it now on Tech Advisor. Um, <laughs> if that comes out in the UK, we will review it. So keep your eyes peeled.
And Iron, uh, Lewis, thank you very much for joining us. If you're watching on the video stream, thanks a lot for watching. And if you are listening, uh, thank you as well. Tell your friends. Um, and then come back next week as it might be the last one before Black Friday. We will have more Ooh. phone things to chat about. Uh, thanks for joining Fast Charge. Uh, thanks both. See you next week. See you. Bye.